So without further ado, let's make some big noise for James Corbett. Bring him to the stage. Make some noise before James takes over. Show some hey, love to everybody. James. Yes. <laughs> I, and I want to say this, James, before we, you do take over, because this is, this is coming from the heart. Really, over the years, James has done so much work on his own, but he has made so much effort to help boost my work. How many people have seen me in an interview on James Corbett? A lot of people have found my work that way, and James consistently promotes the greater reset, and we're so grateful because, like us, James is focused on solutions, and he's about to give us a lot of knowledge. So thank you, James. Hey, everybody. Thank you, Derek. And thank you to everyone for coming out there in person in Mexico. Man, I wish I could be there with you. But here I am in Japan, where it is freezing cold. <laughs> so uh, maybe next year I will be in the sunny climes of Mexico at this time of year, instead of freezing my butt off here in Japan. But either way, we'll make it work. Anyway, <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys for coming to join me for this live presentation. In fact, a live edition of the Corbett Report and everybody's favorite edition of the Corbett Report, Problems Watch. That's right. You guys know that week in and week out, every week, no matter what, rain or shine, I am here focusing on problems, not solutions. No, the things that are going wrong with the world, just dwelling on them and thinking about them endlessly and providing no path forward. You know that's what my work is about. So in that spirit, in that vein, boy, do I have a presentation for you today. How not to build community. Your guide to completely failing to bring people together in the real world for the terminally online. And, uh, you know, if there's anything that my 17 years of experience here in the online space has taught me, it is how not to build community. So boy, are you guys in for a treat today? All right. Are you ready? Let's go. Um, so what what would be the first thing that uh, that you would that you would uh, think of if you're going to not build community? First rule. This isn't any particular order, but I think this one is pretty important. Keep it digital, guys. Don't bring people together in the real world. Come on. No, 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 no. You want to keep it online. Online forums or chats. The important thing is that. It's anonymous. It's a bunch of anonymous people coming together in some sort of digital form. What could go wrong? In fact, it'll be easily spoofed and gamed, and no doubt invaded by trolls galore right away. So, well, that'll make sure no one wants to join your community, so you don't have to worry about managing anything. Nothing will happen. No change will take place. You will affect nothing in the real world. So nothing can go wrong, right? You just keep it digital. Just continue to talk to and... Uh, people in your echo chamber over and over for the rest of your life. That's how you not build community, right? All right, uh, number two, critique, complain, condemn. Yes, as everyone knows, the, the, clearly the smartest person in the room is the person who can come up with the quickest and fastest way of dismissing whatever new idea is presented. So you can be that, that, that smartest guy in the room by completely poo-pooing critiquing, condemning, dismissing anything that people put forward as a way to actually bring people together in the real world. No, 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 no. That's not going to work because. That's not going to work because. There's always a reason that you can give why something's not going to work. And everyone will appreciate you for bringing that reason to their, uh, their, their attention, right? Uh, how about number three? Leaders, committees, bureaucracy. Yes, 
this is the key for moving forward. What we first of all, everyone, as we know, every organization needs a leader, a alpha male that you can appoint as the person that everyone will just follow and obey, right? That's that's something that you need to have a community. And so once you appoint your leader, here's the best part. Let's say he's a really good leader and everyone follows him. Then that provides a key and convenient decapitation point for all of the feds and trolls and other infiltrators that will no doubt try to get into your organization. Or maybe it's a leader that seems all right at first, but then he starts leading you off a cliff. Well, then you get to knock him off of the pedestal you put him on in the first place. And everyone loves that. What do people love more than putting someone on a pedestal? Knocking them off that pedestal. So yay. Either way, you win when you appoint a leader. And then committees, bureaucracy, red tape, meetings. This is how we get things not done in our not community. Right, guys? We, we spend hours and hours discussing and filling out forms and setting up committees to talk about the possibility of doing something rather than actually getting anything done in the real world. So leaders, committees, bureaucracy, very important if we're going to move forward with this not community. Um, the fourth thing we've got to do, of course, is litmus tests. Litmus tests, litmus tests. Yes, absolutely. Please, whenever you have a community, it's incredibly important that you gatekeep it in every way possible on every possible line that you can think of. Uh, what? You, do you don't believe 9-11 was an inside job? Wait, wait, no, you do believe 9-11 was an inside job, but you think the towers were brought down by nukes instead of space beams. Uh, wait, no, okay, you do believe 9-11 was an inside job, and you do think that the towers were brought down by space beams, but you don't acknowledge that the planes were holograms. Wait, okay, you do believe 9-11 was an inside job that was caused by space beams and holograms, but you refuse to admit that the entire plot was masterminded by Jewish reptiles in the Vatican. Uh, no, okay, you do believe 9-11 was a space beam hologram plot pu uh, pu puppeteered by Jewish... Vatican reptiles, but you you wear red socks on a Friday, that's it. You're out. I can't believe you wear red socks on a Friday, and that's that's terrible. Um, you are a, a woke, libtard, pinko hippie that has no place in my community, let me tell you. So, yeah, as you can see, no matter how much you agree with someone, there's always something that you will disagree with them about, right? And then you can just make that your, oh no, I don't want to have anything to do with you and you will get out of my community. That way, you can essentially whittle everyone out of your community and you will be down to your community of one. I'm telling you, this is how you not build community, guys. Okay, the next thing we can do. Less action, more talk. I mean, who needs action when you got words, right guys? Uh, anyway, this one should be pretty obvious. But for anyone who's spent time in committees and meetings and or online discussions, you'll know that the more you sit there around talking, the less you will actually get anything done in the real world, thus stopping community from forming. Win-win, right? All right, the next thing you got to do, of course, you've got to be, if, if you're going to take charge of this not community, it's my way or the highway, and you have to violently and just obstinately reject absolutely anyone who comes forward with any idea that in any way differs from yours. Because there's only one way to do things. That's my way. And uh, if you don't like it, well, get lost. I'm not going to work with you. And I, I can't even, 
I can't even live in a community with someone else who does or something in a different way than I would do it. So it has to be my way, right? That's a good way to get people not on your side. Uh, the next thing we got to do, of course, only respond to crises. Of course, everyone knows the best time to actually get people together in the real world and to get them working towards the same thing is when they're plunged deep into a crisis. Just when, when everything is fine, that's the time to rest, go back to partying, who cares about things, whatever. You know, that's, that's normal times. And then when, when the doo-doo hits the oscillator and suddenly the whole world is locking down and things, that's when you get concerned. And you're only concerned for as long as that emergency situation is happening. And then when things start going back to normal or the new normal, then you just go back to your partying lifestyle and you don't care about things until the next crisis hits. That's how it works when you're trying to build community. Surely. All right. All right. I think we're making some good progress here, but let's see what else we can do. Oh, of course. When you're trying to build a community, it's important that you focus on that one person in your life that you care about and thus that you have to have in your community. And you have to continue to pester that one person and spend all of your time and effort trying to get convince that one person of that thing that you want to do. And that will get them into the community with you. As you can see from the body language <laughs> expressed here, of course, people love it when you just constantly nag them and pester them and plead with them. Um, it's also a good way to get a date with the girl that you're interested in. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, just pester and pester and pester. And what could go wrong? Oh, wait. Well, that person probably won't want to be in community with you, and thus you will solve the problem of actually building community. All right, and number nine. If it's tough, it's not worth doing, right? Right, guys? Everyone knows this. Sometimes it's going to be a lot of work to actually build a community. And even if you do, it'll probably go wrong in some way. It won't be perfect. There will be problems. There will be probably someone that you don't get along with or something like that. So just give up. I mean, what's the point in trying if it's going to be tough? If it's not going to work 100% perfectly, straight out of the box, with no possibility of ever going wrong, then it can't possibly be worth actually doing that thing, right? Well, hmm. <laughs> well, if, if you don't want to build community anyway. And, of course, number 10, most importantly, trust me, bro. I know what I'm talking about. I've been online for a long time. I, I know how to do this. And so just take my word for it. Don't think about it for yourself. You'll be fine. This is how not to build community. And I appreciate you all for coming out for this talk today, as I have really attempted to put together... Oh! Wait, sorry, I thought I was someone else. Oh, no. Problems Watch? What? No, I'm I'm James Corbett of the Corbett Report. I do Solutions Watch. Sorry, guys, I totally, totally got my wires crossed there. No, we're not here talking about how not to build community today. Today, we're going to talk about how to build community, and let's see how we can adjust all of these things that we've just looked at to be a little bit, a little bit different than what we were talking about before. This is number one. So instead of keeping it digital, keep it real. 
bring it into the real world. Bring real people together in the real world. Seems like a no-brainer for the first thing that you should do if you're going to actually attempt to build community, right? Uh, keep it real. Bring people together. Have physical meetings face-to-face. It seems pretty obvious, and in fact, in any other time in human history, it wouldn't need to be stated or elaborated. But unfortunately, we are moving into the terminally online age in which there is a generation growing up that literally has never been in a disconnected, uh, non-digital world. They're, everything that they do is in a device, and they think in terms of social media. And as I've had cause to observe in the work that I'm doing at the Corbett Report for the last 17 years, I, I think that is fundamentally changing the way that people even think about what community is or how to act in community. And I have noticed this in, in some interesting ways. Sometimes in the course of my research, I will be looking at some online forum discussion or something that was happening back in 2003 and it, it truly does seem like a different planet when you are reading some of these discussions from 15 years ago, where people, or 20 years ago, man, <laughs> I really am getting old. <laughs> what is time, anyway? Uh, when you look at some of these discussions from decades ago on, that, that were taking place online that seemed more like discussions that you would have with real human beings in the real world, where you would say something and then you would actually, you, you would take on board what someone else was saying, and then you'd try to respond to that, and then there'd be some back and forth, and everyone seemed vaguely reasonable. And I've seen this enough to know that it's not just something that happens once or twice or here and there. It, it really, I, I honestly think that people's ability to communicate and to share ideas and discuss has fundamentally changed over the course of the past couple of decades. And I think that's be par uh, partly a function of being in the digital online space and seeing the way that people react and act and interact in these anonymous online social media spaces. Trolls, bots, what have you. People fighting with each other, flame wars, all of this. And unfortunately, people are starting to believe that that is the way that we we as human beings act with each other, and they are starting to manifest that in the real world as well. So it is extremely important, I think, if we're going to build actual community, to do it in real world um, rather than online. Um, the next one, you'll remember number two was critique, complain, condemn. Well, instead of that, how about listen, think, respond? I am not saying that people just sh should shut up and hold their complaints or whatever to themselves and never never share anything. No, of course not. Of course, if you have critiques of what is being presented in your community or somebody is coming up with an idea that you don't like or think that is very useful, you're going to want to respond to them in a thoughtful manner, right? Uh, there are more intelligent and thoughtful ways to have discussions rather than simply poo-pooing, critiquing, condemning in the vein of Simpsons comic book guy. Worst idea ever. No, 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 no. In this case, what we can do is actually model discussion with people in which, first of all, you listen to other people's ideas, you take them on board, you think about them, you try to see it from the other person's point of view, then you respond with your point of view. And through dialogue, Hopefully you can move things forward in a productive manner rather than simply critiquing everything. And again, I think that is also 
part of the function of the digital online spaces that we find ourselves in is that generally speaking, it is a race to the bottom in terms of cynicism and uh, critical um, critical responses to things. Whoever is the first and the, the loudest with the most cynical response will generally get the most um, agreement and accord. Uh, it's just the nature of the way these discussions tend to take place. So I think we have to model a different form of discussion if we're going to move forward with the idea of community. Um, and that's related to some of the other things that we're going to talk about. Um, first of all, you'll remember number three, leaders, committees, and bureaucracy. Well, how about we replace that with decentralized decision-making? Yes, because there is such a thing as decentralized decision-making, and there are different ways that we can understand and model that. Um, back in my archives, I have a discussion with the leader of the Swedish, uh, the founder of the Swedish Pirate Party, um, which, if people don't know, it's a fascinating idea and concept um, that arose, and people can find out about the, the Pirate Bay and legal issues and all of that that ultimately led to the Swedish Pirate Party coming into existence and actually having some stunning electoral success. I'm, as people may or may not know, I'm not particularly enthused about political success, but it was quite remarkable. How did this organization come about? Well, through what most people wouldn't even identify as organization is the answer. And so you can watch that interview that I had with Rick Falkvinge years ago about this idea. But essentially, <coughs> the uh, if you read his book, it, it's, it's fascinating that the idea of the Swedish Pirate Party was essentially hands-off. It was decentralized. There was no there was no central decision maker, okay, now I'm going to set up this committee and you're going to lead this committee and you're going to come up with these solutions, these proposals, and then it's going to be voted on or blah, blah, blah. No, it was simply run as whoever has an idea, whatever it is, okay, well, it, you, want, uh, you want to do some sort of leaflet campaign on the streets in order to raise awareness? Okay, now you are, you're in charge of the leaflet campaign. You're the leaflet campaign organizer, go for it. And... Uh, it was, there's an old Chinese proverb that I'm not going to remember off the top of my head. Something about if you want to control, let your, let, let go of that thing. And the idea is that the order that forms from people pursuing what they think the, to be the best strategy on their own will actually be surprisingly cohesive in a way that most people fail to to comprehend or understand. Um, without leaders, without committees, without bureaucracy, without red tape, letting people do things in the way that seems natural to them, you will actually tend to have more success. It seems counterintuitive, but there are, as I say, there are demonstrable, documentable examples of how this can work. And in fact, if you do some research on decentralized decision-making, you will see it has become sort of a a business meme over the past couple of decades. How can we incorporate this into our organizational structure and blah, blah, blah. Well, let's not worry about that. Let's let's think about how we can do it in terms of building a community that's going to achieve something in the real world. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, as you remember, litmus tests, litmus tests, litmus tests. Everything's a litmus test. You don't wear red socks on a Friday, you're out. No, 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 no. How about drawing a line in the sand? It seems similar. At first glance, this is my line in the sand, and if you cross it, then you're not going to be part of the community. I think it is important to have lines in the sand. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be things that are core values to you that define the community that you're trying to bring into existence. Of course, you have to have some sort of core value 
even if it's just simply what what is the point of this community? Why are you trying to create a community? A community about what? If there isn't truly no purpose whatsoever, then who cares? Well, sure. The entire world is part of my community. What does it matter? No, no, no. If you are creating a community, it must be about something. There must be some sort of core value or values that are absolutely essential that people have to be on board with. There has to be some sort of shared vision, at least for why you're doing this at all, right? So that those are your lines in the sand, and those are the important essential things that you must have in place. And it could be anything, whatever. Maybe you just want a community that's based around... Uh, maybe you do want it to be all about you know, a 9-11 truth community, or, or whatever it is, whatever you're interested in. And there may be certain lines that you have to draw in the sand with regard to that. But when you're drawing lines in the sand, you don't draw a million lines that are form a maze. No, there are certain core things that are absolutely essential, and you, you state that clearly and upfront, and people come on board if they share that vision. Um, but you don't make everything into a litmus test and a, oh my god, you must be a shill because you disagree with me on this completely unrelated subject over here. Here we are in a, whatever, a community, a, a community garden project. We're trying to, you know, grow food, but you disagree with me about this political thing over here or something like that. No, that's not your line in the sand in the, that case where you're trying to bring together a community garden, right? And I think, again, the art of being able to live with and ab abide with people who disagree with you is, it seems to be an increasingly rare phenomenon and one that perhaps like any muscle, we need to work and to practice. So I think drawing lines in the sand, yes. Having core values and principles that you will not compromise, yes, I am on board with that. But making everything into a litmus test and finding any point of disagreement as a reason to cast someone out of your community, you're probably not going to have a good community, right? Okay, uh, number five. Uh, you will remember that we were talking about less action, more talk. Well, how about less talk, more action? And here is an image of how Ryan Gosling rolls up his sleeves. I believe this is from GQ. So there you go. Now you know how to roll up your sleeves and get to work. Yes, this one's pretty self-explanatory, but as we know, people can talk and talk and talk and talk forever with nothing actually happening in the real world. In order to counteract that, well, how about less talk, more action? How about doing things and, sure, discussing them as you're doing them? Of course, having planning meetings or whatever you need to do in order to, for whatever action you're going to bring about. But the key has to be the action, not the talk. And unfortunately, that gets lost in the mix sometimes. Okay, moving on. Uh, my way or the highway? No, 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 no. How about all roads lead to Rome? Uh, this is an insight that occurred to me a while ago and I think is incredibly simple and important. Okay, how do you how do you add to five? Right? Well of course everyone knows two plus three is five. Everyone knows two plus three is five. And anyone who says anything differently is a complete moron and I will absolutely fight them to the death. I mean four plus one equals five? Ugh, that's crazy. One plus four equals five? 3 plus 2 equals... No, 2 plus 3 equals 5. And then there are the crazy morons who think 5 plus 0 equals 5. Or 6 plus negative 1 equals 5. What are, what are they smoking? No, it is 2 plus 3 equals 5, and that is the only way to get to 5. Oh, wait. No, that's ludicrous. It's insane. It's stupid. No one would be like that, right? 
Well, maybe they would if they're trying to build a community on whatever grounds, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever project you're involved in, it can be easy to get caught up in the, this is the way, and this is the only way that this can possibly happen or function. And any other way I'm going to completely dismiss and reject. But other ways sometimes can actually work. And I think this comes back down to the idea of trying to micromanage what everyone is doing and how they are doing it. Uh, in a centralized fashion rather than decentralized. Decentralized decision-making and action-taking is going to be messy, at least in the sense for people who want everything done a certain way and it must be done the way I imagine it being done. It's probably You're probably not going to have a good time with that attitude, but you would be surprised how many different ways there are to add to five. So um, anyway, keep that in mind. There are many, many different ways to do various things. And if you're not open to that, you're probably not going to have a good time actually trying to make a community. Okay, moving on. Uh, number seven, only respond to crises. Well, no. How about use the good times to prepare? Yes. Be because, of course, unfortunately, this is something that I'm extremely intimately familiar with in the course of my work. And it's it's one of the most horrible and horrifying aspects of the work that I do, is that I have noticed when there is a gigantic calamity, suddenly everyone's interested in my work, and I get all sorts of new people coming to my website, and suddenly I'm much more popular than I was before, because, oh my god, there's some sort of emergency going on, the roof is on fire, wow, okay, oh, and this guy's talking about it, wow, well, let's all go, you know, look at his work. And then things calm down, and then people just generally sort of drift away. Uh, you know, whatever. doesn't matter. And then suddenly there's another crisis. Oh, my God. So, for example, I remember the first time I noticed that there's this huge spike of new people who are interested in my work was the 2008 financial crisis. And here I was talking about it and ringing the alarm about it and interviewing people about it and, and examining it in various ways, in ways that weren't being done in the mainstream media. And suddenly there were a lot of people that were online that were discovering my work and starting to get interested in this. And, oh, what, do, what does this mean? Um, as that crisis started to subside, at least in the minds of most people, I think it's arguably still ongoing, but at any rate, as the, 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 the time of emergency started to subside, people start to sort of drift away and, oh, maybe this isn't so important and blah, blah, blah. And uh, that happens in various ways over the years. And obviously the biggest one was the scamdemic. And suddenly, wow, everybody, I, I cannot explain how orders of magnitude more people were suddenly interested in my work and I was getting a lot more attention. And of course, now, now that we're going back to the new normal, people are again starting to drift away and going back to their lives as usual because they got better things to do than to think about all this stuff that's going on in the world. So yes, unfortunately, crises are the motivator for most people to actually do anything. And when there isn't a crisis in front of them, meh, what's the point? You know, well, who cares? So if we're thinking this about this in terms of building a community, as they say, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today, right? Okay, yes, of course, you should be preparing and you should have been prepared all these years ago and whatever. But at any rate, okay, now let's say, I, I, arguably we're not, but let's say we're into some sort of 
normal-ish time right now. At least we're not in the depths of the scamdemic lockdowns and all of that. The, the world isn't exactly on fire at this precise moment, depending where you live in this world. So use this moment of relative respite and whatever resources that you have to start preparing for the crises that you know are coming. And I find it extremely interesting and telling that the idea of prepping has been become this kind of funny, mocked part of conspiracy culture. Oh, these weird preppers. As if that is a bad thing. Oh my god, how dare you prepare for things that might happen in the future. And guess what? If you prepare for things, some, some crisis that may or may not come in the future, and it doesn't come, well, guess what? You're still prepared, and you're still... I mean, it's not like you've invested in something that isn't valuable. You've invested in building something. And if we apply that in the context of community, then clearly the idea of building a community that's... Maybe a, a community that's that's based on, okay, it's an emergency watch thing. If they're, I live in a very earthquake, volcano, typhoon-prone country... It, Maybe just having a sort of a, an emergency watch with neighbors or people in your community. Okay, if if something goes wrong, then we'll know that you know we have supplies here and people can meet here and that kind of thing. Maybe it could be something as simple as that. But that can then be parlayed into okay. Well, we're not dealing with an emergency today, but maybe we can use this community to whatever the case may be. Start that community garden or whatever the whatever project that you're interested in working on and building up from there because. Clearly, times of crises bring a lot of attention, a lot of focus, and a lot of energy. But that attention and focus and energy needs to, A, be there before, and B, be there not simply in service of the crises, because that is the way that we are being led into the maws of the bear trap of the New World Order, or whatever they're calling it this week, the Great Reset, what have you. That is based on this idea that crisis and emergency is going to lead us push us in a certain direction. But we cannot be pushed in a certain direction if we are prepared and if we are already building beyond whatever crises they're trying to bring about. All right. Uh, <clears throat> the next idea, uh, as you recall, pester that one friend who disagrees with you and make sure that that one person, uh, your, you know, your sister or whoever it is in your life, this person has to be part of this community and they have to believe what I believe and they have to, that's, if you, I understand that urge and that impetus and that is one of the most common forms of feedback that I get in the work that I do is, man, you know, my, my wife doesn't see eye to eye with me on these things or, you know, I, I tried bringing this information to my son and he just won't take it or I have this friend or coworker or whoever it is that you're trying to bring this information to you're trying to convince them of this or that other thing and it can be extremely frustrating and I understand that but that is because unfortunately you can lead the horse to water but you cannot make them think right so unfortunately there uh, there's nothing you can do to wake another person up, other than to put the information that you think is important in front of them, to listen and respond to what they might have to say about that information, because let's also keep in mind, hey, I don't know about you, but I've been wrong about things in the past. Maybe I'm wrong about this thing. I'm willing to listen, especially if it's someone that I love and care about, a friend, a loved one, family member. I'm going to listen to what they have to say and attempt to respond to that in a real way, not just reflexively, no, no, you have to believe what I believe. So, but taking that on board and thinking about that in the context of building a community, 
you have to build community with the people who will share those core values, those lines in the sand, the, this is what this community is about. This is the vision that I have for this community. And there will be people who will share that vision with you and will be excited about that. And it is more, a more fruitful use of your time to be working with those people rather than trying endlessly to pester that one person that just won't be on board with you. And I think um, part of what goes on with regards to these types of groups is the concept of social validation. Um, whether you like it or dislike it, I think it is a part of human nature and who we are, uh, is that when people see that there are people over there that is doing that are doing something together and are building something and bringing it into the real world and manifesting whatever it is that they're trying to do, I, I think that's naturally attractive to most people. Hey, wow, that's that's cool. Look at what those people are doing. And that is a, a bajillion time better value proposition to that potential holdout who just won't listen to you. Do something, build something, bring something into the world and say, hey, look, see what we're doing over here. And as you can see in the group dynamic in the uh, picture here, yeah, that one person who's being left out of that discussion is probably going to feel awkward at some point when you have a thriving, wonderful community that is bustling with energy and is doing things in the real world. That person is going to be much more interested in coming to you to ask to join your community rather than you having to pester them. So anyway, I think that's probably a more fruitful way forward. Um, let's move on. Uh, number nine, you'll remember, if, if it's tough, it's not worth doing, right? Oh my god, uh, it's so hard to do this thing. Well, let's counter that. Um, <laughs> here's, here's an inside joke between me and my video editor, Brock West. Um, whenever we're working on something and we, we've reached some sort of impasse or I'm, we're trying to... I'm like, no, that doesn't quite look right. Let's, let's try it this way. Let's do that. At, at some point, I will generally say to Brock, look, we're not painting the Sistine Chapel here. Let's just get it done. And I think it is important to have that understanding and that attitude sometimes, um, especially when you are working on something positive, something solutions-based, building a community or whatever the case may be, when it can be easy to see the million ways that this can go wrong. And you know what? 99 times out of 100, you're going to be right. It is going to go wrong. There is some problem that's going to happen. It's, it's not going to work out in the long run, whatever the case may be. But, A, that doesn't mean that it's not valuable to, to do it at all. Just because it doesn't work 100%, it doesn't work right out of the box, and it's not 100% going to last for the rest of human history, doesn't mean that it's not valuable to do. It can still be a valuable thing to do. And in the context of a community, I mean, again, like, whatever it is. Uh, I talked to uh, Thomas Freeman about a um, community project um, people can look it up on my site. I had an interview with him years and years and years ago about the Ozark Neighborly Exchange, which was just this local community sort of um, action group that was put together. It was kind of a community thing in which people in the local area would come together. I think it was, you know, one Tuesday a month or whatever it was, and they would work on some sort of project in the community that needed doing. Oh, this guy needs his, his barn rebuilt. Okay, let's work on that project. Or, oh, someone is, somebody's, you know, going to teach glass blowing or whatever it is. And they, they structured a sort of community organization around that. And so I talked to Thomas Freeman about that years ago. And then, um, 
years later, I followed up with him and he he shared the story of how well yeah it worked and it was it was good for a number of years but then the the kind of go getter the spark that that was kind of the driving force behind it he moved out of the community and eventually the the neighborly exchange sort of started to slow down and fall apart and it's kind of in disrepair at this point and yeah that absolutely happens sometimes you will have a community that is based on that that person who brings things together and makes them happen in the real world, and then that person leaves or dies or whatever the case may be, and suddenly everything kind of falls apart. Does that mean it wasn't valuable to do it in the first place? Does that mean that all of the things that were actually accomplished by that community are worthless because it didn't last forever and it wasn't perfect? Or is it just an example of, hey, that's that's how we actually came together and did things, and that might be the inspiration for someone else to do something else? Right. Um, another example of that that I can think of, um, the um, Ithaca, Ithaca Hours is a uh, community currency that I talked about. And I interviewed the guy who set it up, Paul, Paul Glover. I'm going off the top of my head, so please look that up on my site. But anyway, he started a community currency that became extremely popular. And there was there was a lot of Ithaca Hours. They were it was an hours based time based um, banking system that um that was that really took off in Ithaca um 20 years ago I want to say something along those lines 20 25 years ago maybe and uh was circulating through the community it was a valid form of currency that people were using and ultimately Paul Glover or whoever this guy's name was he ended up leaving the community I believe he passed away a few years ago and at this point Ithaca hours I think most people in Ithaca will vaguely know of it but I don't think it's a going concern anymore. Again, does that mean that the entire project was worthless? Or is it just a, a an example of something that can be done? And yes, there has to be constant input of energy into it. But at any rate, at any rate, you're not painting the Sistine Chapel. It doesn't have to be perfect and wonderful and the most unassailable thing in all of human history. It doesn't have to be this great work of art. It just has to function to do the thing that you want it to do for the time that you want to do it. Oh, you want to bring people together in a community around this idea, around this project. And hey, we got that project done. We didn't get this other project done. Oh, well, try again. That's, I think, the point. The only time you really lose is when you give up altogether. So keep going. And yes, it will be tough. And yes, more often than not, things won't work out. But that doesn't mean that it's not worth trying. Okay, and finally, you'll remember that, uh, don't trust me, bro. Uh, Sorry, trust me, bro. (laughs) Oops, I spoiled the punchline. No, of course, don't trust me, bro. Uh, I am no, I'm no, uh, person floating on a clouds guru telling you what to do. And perhaps you disagree with some of the things that I've said today, or all of the things that I've said today, or maybe you have your own idea of how things should work. Well, okay, your way or the highway. Um, Sure, why not? Don't take my word for it. Hey, look, I mean, what thriving community have I built? Um, So, you know, trust trust my uh, my ability to to talk about these things um, to to your own (laughs) to your own detriment, potentially. But at any rate, okay, take people's Take people's advice and ideas and things on board, but it has to come from you. And you have to ultimately be the arbiter of whatever kind of community you're going to put together. And it has to be based on your principles. So at the very least, yeah, don't trust me. Don't take my word for it. Don't simply believe what I'm saying. But maybe it would be good to actually list out 
your own 10 ideas of things that you think are important for building a community and and seeing and testing those and maybe through the the crucible of reality and experience you can forge a path forward for testing and refining and revising those 10 principles that you think are important and building community around that and once again it may be a process of failure of testing and failure and testing and failure and testing and failure until you find something that does work and maybe it won't work forever and you know what maybe that's okay too now having said that i think there are i mean yeah don't trust me or any other source or someone who's coming along telling you what to do and how to do it but at least take on board what they have to say right what what's the harm in that um at least verify and look into um, these sorts of things. I think research and finding out what others have done and what they say is actually really important and can be a valuable part of putting together that idea and manifesting it in the real world. Now, I gave an example in my Solutions Watch episode on building communities of a book. And uh, man, I should <laughs> I should have that <coughs> reference for you. I do not. So you're going to have to go to CorbettReport.com and look up my Building Community Solutions Watch, where I talked about this book um, that was about how how to build communities on a granular level. There was all sorts of information and details, um, and there, the, even examples of legal documents of you know how to purchase land and how to put it into a community trust and these sorts of things. It, it was really very detailed. But one of the things that they stressed in that book was, you know what? Most of the time, most communities are going to fail. So be prepared for that. Be be aware of this fact that there are very few examples of communities that are there for all time and will forever be okay. Um, so at any rate, I think that is that is something to keep in mind. You can you can yeah, of course, you can look and consult and read books and listen to talks and do all these go go to workshops about how to build a community sure great and br- take all of that advice on board but ultimately it has to come from you and if you don't have that vision and if you don't have that burning desire how are you going to possibly bring together a community based on that anyway i'm probably not telling anyone in this audience something that they don't already know but i think sometimes it is important to articulate these things in ways that brings this forward and starts to starts to crystallize how this actually functions in the real world, not in the digital world. Because building a digital community may actually be your goal. And if it is, then sure, keep that, keep that in mind. Um, but for those of people who are interested in building a real community in the real world, I think these are some things that you should be able to keep in mind to proceed forward with that. Having said that, I think that's going to do it for today. And uh, if anyone has any questions or ideas, I'm at CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T Report.com. And I hope uh, people will share their feedback on this with me. Here we go. Make some noise for James. Let him feel the love. Let him feel the love. We want to get him here next year in person. Thank you for that, James. We appreciate you coming in all the way from Japan.